Okay, welcome to another episode of the Wayne Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and I'm going to be joined today by Patrick Christian, my colleague over on the West Coast, uh, who's been on the podcast before, and he's here again to talk about um, some cloud and data center geography kind of stuff. So we'll be doing another deep dive episode where instead of talking to some vendors or end users, we're talking to another telegeography analyst who's going to take us through um, a, a better understanding of what we're thinking about when it comes to WAN geography. So this is in relationship to a product that we've recently launched. Um, in fact, we'll talk about how it sort of came to be a product at Telegeography later, but um, called the WAN Geography Benchmark. It's sort of a sister product to our WAN Cost Benchmark. And this looks at where an enterprise might consider putting their data centers. It includes uh, data from 4,200 some odd data centers around the world, uh, hundreds of network service providers, and the key or major cloud service providers, infrastructure as a service providers, uh, and puts all that together. So we're going to talk about that with Patrick. First, let me welcome you, Patrick, to the show again. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. And since you've been on before, we can keep it short, but why don't you tell everybody sort of what you do at Telegeography um, and uh, your title, if you like that sort of thing, you know? Sure. Well, let's see. Principal analyst, we'll get that out of the way, but um, I head up the cloud and WAN infrastructure um, services uh, service uh, where we look at cloud infrastructure, which we'll be talking a little bit about today, and a lot of stuff in Africa, just lots of random network stuff in Africa. That's right. You are the Africa guy. Yeah. How's that going since you haven't been able to go to Africa for like, uh, what, probably about a year and a half at this point, huh? Yeah. Yeah. A little over a year. It's uh, all remote, like everybody else. A lot of webinars, a lot of of Zoom calls, which I have to say, it looks like um, connectivity is getting better because um, we're actually using a lot of video in our Zoom calls. So whereas before it was a lot of, we'd, we'd, cut out the video and just do audio. And now we're, it's, uh, it's working a lot better. It's great. So well, do you do any of these calls in French? Because I imagine, uh, doing a business in a foreign language makes it a little bit, uh, easier to be, you know, looking at someone's lips moving and whatnot. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we do. Yeah. I do some in French, but it's usually the added bonus because they never think you speak French. So right. talking and they'll, they always try harder in English and then, I can start up in French, then everybody's happy. Yeah. But uh, that's more the West Coast, but we, you know, I do a lot of work in the South and East too. So, yeah, I, I always found it when we're, when I used, I used to have our sort of um, uh, Latin America beat. And um, I always found that I could get through the sort of uh, pleasantries in Spanish and then business always <laughs> happened yeah. in English. Right? So. Well, yeah. Well, it usually works out that they prefer in English because, you know, you're both. Uh, they probably know the terminology better for, you know, telecom. Exactly. Language. Like the, te- the telecom yeah. words are all right. in English anyway. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. Cloud so. nuage. Huh? <laughs> all right. So speaking of the cloud, our topic today, of course, is our WAN geography benchmarking. And I thought it would be a good way to start by kind of taking us through the history of how we came to create this product at Telegeography. 
uh, without naming names or or details of the network. Uh, we had a sort of anchor customer that led us to to realize this was something we could productize for everyone else. Can you kind of take us through that history? Sure. Actually, the yeah, the customer in question, I believe you're referring to, and I know you're referring to, uh, yeah. is a large company. If you're confused, one... we can always edit it out. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. I think I know. No. Uh, but anyway, this this com- it's a large company that wanted to redesign their network topology to improve cloud connectivity, you know, resilience, uh, reduce costs, and have better, more transparent control of services. Uh, you know, the standard nowadays. Um, but actually, let me take a step back um, from that mm-hmm. and say that even before this com- customer, we had other customers, service provider customers like cloud service providers and carriers that were looking at the individual data sets, like, for example, the data centers. Um, we had a couple of, uh, of the cloud service providers that were using it, using this data to check out data centers and to track where other cloud um, service providers were setting up on ramps. And we also had it from the carrier right. side. Um, where carrier com- customers were using our cloud infrastructure data, as in the cloud, the on-ramps and the um, uh, cloud data centers as well, to help figure out where the on-ramps were being deployed and compare this to the location of their own POPs to try to um, figure out how to connect their com- customers to these on-ramps. So um, even before we were using these two big sets of data, but with the enterprise customer in question, um, they needed both sets of data and kind of had to connect them together. Mm-hmm. They basically wanted to know, you know, location of optimal or optimal pop locations and how to connect these pops and which pops are connected. So we ended up um, pulling the data from these two existing services, um, the cloud and one infrastructure um, uh, service, like the one I head up, and also our data data um, data center research service as well. Um, so we have lots of data on data center locations, providers connected to and connecting the DCs. Um, as well as a wealth of data on cloud data centers and the location of on-ramps and exchanges and how to basically connect to the cloud networks. So we, for this customer, we looked up these sets of data. This gave birth to the WAN um, geography benchmark. And this also gave us um, um, and our customers a different and, dare I say, more much more um, user-friendly way um, to look at these sets of data. And it's much more geared yeah. towards their individual networks kind of matching and meeting the customer's network needs and demands. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's there's really two key things to highlight there. One is that a, a lot like the WAN cost benchmark that that uh, I had created um, with, with some other uh, folks from our pricing team many years ago, the idea behind it was we have siloed kind of databases that need to stay siloed because some people are looking specifically for that information. Yeah. But when you're looking at from a more holistic view, especially the view of a particular network, you need to pull in data from different sources. So it's it's unsiloing our data, but then also without hunting and pecking, basically through a database, bringing it together into the specific geographic um, uh, or or uh, specific needs of of an actual enterprise's footprint. If that makes right, sense. right, an individual enterprise or an individual network. Yep, exactly. Awesome. All right. Um, so uh, first, I think in, it's it's useful maybe to talk about the process that we go through when we get customers for this WAN geography benchmark. Um, so we did that first one by sort of looking uh, at these different data sets, but then we 
we pulled this into a tool um, that will do that for us. How does how does an enterprise engage with us? Like I'm thinking from from my sort of area with with when we do a, a WAN cost benchmark, it's it's a it's a pretty straightforward Excel sheet. Where are your sites? What services are you running there? And what circuit sizes and, and QoS do you require? Is it something kind of analogous to that that you need from the enterprise? Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I kind of knew the answer to that question, I'll be honest. But. <laughs> you answered the question. <laughs> no, but I mean, but also like, um, but just looking, the, the basic question they're, they're trying to find is the best data centers to meet their specific needs, their network needs to build out their pops. So they're looking to know um, who's located in the data centers, cloud service providers or network service providers or exchanges, mm-hmm. um, the cost of connectivity. And they're comparing it, uh, comparing the data centers, the providers, and of course, with a little pricing sprinkled on top. So yes, to get this type of information, the first thing we need is um, the location of their sites and just the information on uh, the current network, like you were saying. I was going to say, let me get a clarification on that, um, which is that um, that this one I truly don't know exactly the answer to. Obviously, if we're doing like a, a cost benchmark for someone, we need all of their sites that they want included in that cost. Mm-hmm. I take it that for this, we're not. So let, let's say you have, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a retail kind of organization. So they have a bunch of points of sale. They have like 10,000 sites. But some of those sites are literally like doing nothing but running credit cards and employee, uh, you know, um, timesheets. Right. Right. Um, I would run all of those sites through the cost benchmark because they still need to know how much it costs to connect those sites, presumably. But I take it that in this, we're more interested in really like uh, compute heavy sites, not necessarily every site in in a customer's network. Correct. Yes. Yes. And major pops, basically. And very often, Mm -hmm. even though they're looking at building out new pops, so getting information on it, very often what we see is they give us all their existing pops. So that's, you know, the starting right, where my data centers already are located. So it's, I, I already have a plan here, but I'm going to ha- have you help me evaluate whether that plan's working for me. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. So I interrupted your flow, but back, back to the parameters that, uh, that they give us. Sorry about that. Sure, no yeah. yeah. So the parameters. Okay. Then, um, after we get the information on their pops or the locations of your sites, depending on the sites, which sites you're looking at, um, give us the, or you set the parameters of the search um, based on data center features, uh, cloud service provider connectivity, and carrier connectivity. So DC mm-hmm. features, we're talking about, for example, dis- distance from pops or your customer sites, um, type of data center, wholesale a carrier data center or non non carrier or sorry carrier neutral data center or a non carrier neutral mm-hmm. data center right um, and a number of exchanges on premise at the at the data center internet or cloud exchange um, and then mm-hmm. also when it comes to providers your preferred cloud service providers the ones you want to work with or you're interested in um, and your preferred carriers as well who you want to um, maybe you have in mind or you already work with a specific carrier and you want to include them. Um, but very often what we're, um, what the customers are looking for is other options besides, for example, the, the specific carriers they work with already. But in any case, you can set who your preferred carriers are so we can look at that. And then we also can include, for example, if you have a minimum number of carriers connected to a DC. So if you, 
you know, it has to be more than 10 carriers or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's pretty much it. Like I said, it's kind of more than we need to do a, a cost benchmark, which is really just address product bandwidth essentially is, is the key things there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you, once you have all of that, you, we, we enter it into this tool and it spits something out, <laughs> presumably, <laughs> right? What is, what does it, what does it uh, give back to them once they've sort of entered into that? How, how latency or distance sensitive am I? Um, you know, what, provi- what providers, what cloud providers, like what, what are they seeing as a result of all of these inputs then? Right. We get uh, three key lists. We get um, a summary, uh, a data center summary, um, a cloud access summary, which is um, carriers or cloud access providers, um, network service providers who basically, and other specialists, and this can also be um, the data center operators themselves that mm-hmm. uh, provide access to cloud service providers, their networks and right. services, and a carrier summary. Okay. And you can choose uh, how many per location, for example, of your top data centers. And based on your parameters that you set, it'll give it a list and a summary like mapping of the different data centers. And for the uh, cloud service providers as well, you get a list of by the data centers that pop up that match your um, um, parameters or your needs. You'll see which cloud um, providers are located or connected or that you can connect to in that data center. And as well as the cloud access providers who can provide you service to um, within that data center to the cloud service providers and carriers as well to connect all the other data centers that you um, are connected to in your network. And then you also get there's a a bonus set of data, which is um, other data centers. A listing of all of the data centers that didn't make your top five or top three. Um, And you can go through the different um, um, variables or aspects or parameters that you set and why it didn't uh, get up into the top five. And that way you have an idea of other data centers. And maybe you had set a parameter that it's not as important initially uh, as you thought it would be. And uh, it just gives you more um, options, basically, for data centers, which is mm-hmm. kind of a neat little feature. Right, because because the the idea here is that there's 4,200 data centers, more or less, in our database, right. which which I I think corresponds pretty well to how many are out there. Right, like yeah. we're not we're not missing too many. And so as as a as a WAN IT infrastructure manager. Uh, team, whatever. Um, that's that's a lot to sort through, even though exactly. you know the geography or network or whatever. And so this helps you sort of prioritize them based on these factors, but then also offer you alternatives in case you want to get something that's like maybe on the other end of the list. So, so what I mean by that is that uh, like I, I've seen a couple of these run. And if you're in Western Europe, for example, uh, uh, the uh, FR6, I think is what it's called, the Equinix um, in Frankfurt, is uh-huh. always going to come up as as on top uh, in, in a lot of different parameter settings because there's like 166 providers there or something like that. Right. Right, but, but we're also showing you where there may not where 
the other end of the market if you want like sort of alternative uh, connectivity or or right. not connectivity, but an alternative location that's not in those crowded kind of um, centralized single points of failure, if that makes sense. Exactly. And you probably don't need all of those 166 um, providers. So if right. you have a certain provider or a certain set of providers that, you know, you could be in a different location as well. So it just mm -hmm. gives you the options, which is great. Excellent. All right. So um, I think the next place I want to go is that uh, as part of our WAN forum that we're launching, maybe by the time this comes out, uh, for, for some people anyway, um, but, uh, you know, our sort of, which is a, a repository of telegeography information, but tailored specifically to the non-telco industry kind of WAN manager, um, we've put a sort of example of this scorecard in there, which ultimately has like actual information in it, right? Because we picked 10 cities around the world that come up the most often in our surveys and in our cost benchmarks and whatnot as being very common locations for multinational uh, enterprises. That's Sydney, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Tokyo, Mumbai, Frankfurt, London, Mexico City, L.A., and New York City. Um, so that that's just an example of like a very typical kind of enterprise that has a, a multi-regional kind of multinational global reach. What kind of results do we see when we do that sort of 10 city evaluation? Like um, uh, I already talked about one, if you're in Western Europe, Frankfurt's going to come up, right? But what else, what else do we see uh, not necessarily point by point, but just kind of some some high level takeaways that uh, that if you were looking at that, you think are are important. Right. Since we're not, you know, we're giving the ten top metros. Um, we're going to get basically, and the parameters are very, you know, um, broad. Broad. Yeah, you're really yeah. going to get the the ten most or the the most um, connected um, um, data centers. Okay, with. Right. No special, no special sauce or anything. Just straight, straight ahead, most connected. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you'll see Equinix in most of the most of the the listing for the top data centers. Of course, because they're pretty, pretty much mm -hmm. everywhere. I was going to say Equinix is just far and away the largest data center provider by square footage, by number of sites, by all of that, and it's the. I think if if memory calls the closest competitor is is NTT Global, but it's still like half the size of Equinix or something like that, right? So, right. Depending on the type of data center, yeah, in a digital right. realty with a uh, interaction, of course, is a is a right. close second to. Mm -hmm. But you know, it really depends on your market, and and not all um, uh, companies' networks are in the top ten um, metros, of course. So that's where it gets a little bit more interesting. And of course, uh, going back to the um, the feature of other data centers, the nice thing is you'll see other other data centers that are maybe under your radar because, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is the Equinix or um, Interaction in Europe. It's those, of course, mm. you think of first, but this will give you a list of other other options that you may not have, um, maybe not as well known globally. Regionally, right. of course, they may be known, but globally, they wouldn't be. Right. And that's really key that you have these teams managing a global network usually are sitting in, 
let's you know usually it's Western Europe or, or the U.S. Truthfully, right? Um, right? And so there's there's a uh, and yeah, if you know you, you're everyone is well aware of Equinix and digital realty interaction, etc. But there's a really long tail of data centers and data center providers for that. I think I think there's 800 providers included in this database, right? So it's not just that there's so many actual facilities, but there's a lot to choose from in terms of uh, providers as well, right? So. Correct. Correct. What changes from what we would see in this sort of sample of 10 key cities when, when you have some actual customers who put in their data? Um, in other words, like um, we knew putting in these uh, presumably like key 10 cities, um, more or less what's going to happen. Have you... Have you had a, a sort of example where you know maybe in a in a less common metro area you get results that uh, that are are different than what was expected. Like Equinix is is always going to come up in in most of the key cities. But what happens when you have a real network with maybe some alternative locations? Right, and there are always a few. I mean, from what we've seen uh, through examples mm-hmm. is. A few locations that aren't, of course, in the top metros. Okay, so right. once you put in your own parameters, it'll change completely. What what comes out with the the sample that we have, the calculator, is really the largest um, metros, the most connected, etc. But when you start getting mm-hmm. to smaller places, say like Jakarta or Cape Towns, you know, South Africa, uh, things will change. For example, in Cape Town, Equinix isn't That's- in Cape Town, so you know you're going to get a whole different right. list of of providers and other. And also, like we were saying before, once you have your parameters set in and you're looking, say, for example, a specific um, uh, cloud service provider, that, that'll change everything. You know? um, you're not going to get the most connected in mm-hmm. terms of, oh, right. say, carriers. You'll still probably get Equinix showing, or Equinix, uh, showing up uh, very often, but you know, depending mm-hmm. on the location, the distance and cost and preferred providers, you know, uh, it, it won't just be the, the top connected PCs in the most connected markets, it will be, you know, much more diverse. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. And, and like we said before, that, that may be sort of what some people are after is understanding what diverse options are open to me. If I already know the top three providers or whatever, I want to see who else is there that match, you know, my infrastructure as a service providers or my, yeah. my, um, my fiber providers and, and my latency requirements and stuff. Like right. That. And, v- and very often we do actually get the, the request. Okay. We don't want the number one. We want the number two. And right. we're also seeing a lot of uh, push towards moving to secondary markets, which are less connected very often, but kind of more targeted. And it depends on what your needs are for your, um, uh, your network. Right. So the applications that you're running make a big difference on what kind of distances you can tolerate and, and that sort of thing. Right. So, um, yeah, and, exactly. and, and with everything moving more towards the edge, this becomes a much more important exercise to understand. So that, that kind of really brings me to my next question, which um, it, you, you began to answer, but I want to see if we can drill down a little bit more then, which is that, a lot of this sounds kind of academic, like, um, you know, it, it's really interesting research to understand who's where and how many uh, carriers are connected there and and how that uh, relates to the different cloud uh, providers and, and who can connect you to those cloud providers there. 
but what is what is the actual what's the action item from the enterprises side once they have this report basically in their hands like what what are they hoping to do is it confirm my choices in some cases or is it rethink uh where i have my data centers what are what what is their end goal once they have uh this analysis done I think it's actually uh, both what you just said. It's to confirm, because of course, they've already done probably some of their own research before they they do this. So either confirm the ideas they have or to find different options. You know, you you discover um, looking at the data in a more comprehensive set of data, since we have a very extensive set of data, um, you get more options than maybe you were looking at initially. And, you know, we Mm -hmm. see that type of thing, for example, uh, we're looking at sites in Mexico City or near Mexico City. And then depending on the distance, uh, you know, the latency, et cetera, the latency issues, you may pop up uh, a data center in McAllen, Texas instead. OK, or McAllen right. Or, right. or Miami. And then where you thought you had one option, maybe you have three, three different options that have similar latency, depending on where you're located that you hadn't thought of before. And that, that's something that comes up. In the same, looking at Africa too, I'm looking at more the extended or um, uh, less cloud data center rich regions. You'll find sites that maybe you're in Lagos or you're in um, Nairobi, where you, you can be going two directions, south to South Africa, where at, at the moment, those are the only lo- the location of the only um, cloud data centers in Africa in Johannesburg and Cape Town, or it may be pulling you north to um, um, to Europe, where historically most of the content in the data centers have, have been um, uh, located. But then, you know, it gives you the options too. We always thought of going to London, but oh gosh, now there's locations in uh, Lisbon or Madrid or um, Marseille that are competitive, compete with say, yeah. London. So it's um, just getting to know the networks better in the underlay so that you can um, just have more information to make the decisions you have to make on building out your topology. You know, that, that makes me think of a factor that we haven't really discussed yet, but, but I know is in there because that's, that's where I come in and contribute to this uh, principally, which is uh, price too, right? So, so we, we include IP transit as, as a part of the sort of general scoring um, and I, I'm thinking of, of, of an example of like maybe Singapore versus Kuala Lumpur is my favorite one for this. Like what, right. what, what could you discover there in terms of uh, doing this kind of analysis? Right, exactly. Looking at the underlay or looking at the costs, it's not uh, pricing for IP transit uh, or connectivity uh, in Europe, uh, Western Europe or U- U.S. is much different from you know, mm-hmm. uh, Africa or South America, or like you're saying, difference between Singapore and Kuala Lumpur, um, there would be a, a big price difference. And that's right. And, uh, since you're the price guy, I was waiting for you to pull the pricing in. <laughs> I should say all the data that I just talked about, the data centers, the, the cloud service provider connectivity and network service provider connectivity sprinkled with um, pricing on top. <laughs> In some respects, like if if what you're really concerned with is pricing in general, then you you're doing a, a weigh and cost benchmark anyway. Right. But it, but it ends up being a piece of this and understanding that 
Like, exactly. hey, if I could move my data center without really changing my uh, connectivity options or my cloud provider options or my latency, but the cost of transport there is much lower, th th that's not going to be the case if you're thinking about moving it from London to Frankfurt. But that might be the case if you're if you're thinking about um, some more fractured markets like Southeast Asia, for example, or, e or even Latin America. You know? Right. Latin America, or Africa, you know, South Africa, IP, IP transit versus, you know, uh, Kenyan, you know, Kenya, Nairobi. It's completely different. Right. So I think that does a pretty good job of explaining to everybody sort of what the tool is, what the, what the tool's designed to answer. Um, now I wonder if we could shift gears a little bit and just talk about sort of what the general trends are. And, and this kind of takes us back, if you remember this, of course, I had to do my homework and, and listen to what we talked about last time, but kind of takes us back a little bit to what we talked about last time. But um, uh, like, what are what are just the key enterprise trends in terms of the them understanding the geography of their cloud providers, their data center locations? Um, especially when we think about, um, as I understand this, and, and correct me if I, I'm not sort of presenting this right, but the moves kind of away from more centralized uh, cloud uh, geography to a much more distributed cloud geography. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's what we talked about a little bit before. But for trends, we're, we're looking at latency, redundancy, and ecosystems. This is what comes up when I was looking through um, mm -hmm. What we talked about before and just what we're looking at in general with um, questions that we're getting from enterprises, et cetera, and what we see uh, of the trends that's happening in, in cloud infrastructure in general. We're seeing enterprises building their networks more to adapt to the cloud, and they're taking mm -hmm. consideration more, consideration more um, the locations of the cloud regions and the cloud data centers and what the sites are, where the sites are located to access these regions or these these um, uh, cloud regions for their services. And what we're seeing in previously or historically, it's been uh, a lower number of, of direct connects or dedicated connections to the cloud service networks that are more like you were saying centralized, which is kind of like the old way of building networks maybe. And um, you're seeing, even though you had customers or you're using, you had somebody in the US accessing or somebody in South America accessing the data centers in the US, which depending on what service, right. or what app you're using, you know, latency is a thing, <laughs> distance is a thing. So we're seeing um, a trend towards many more direct connects or dedicated connections, whether it be express route, um, dedicated connect or, or cloud interconnect, uh, many more that are much more in closer proximity to the actual cloud data centers that they're servicing and or using for to, right. to host their the services, et cetera. And you're also seeing within the cloud service providers themselves is offering low latency on-ramps in data centers, okay? Or mm -hmm. um, so you're seeing, for example, like Google, Google Cloud, offering options where you can connect it um, where you have lower latency. So we're seeing the general trend of the cloud service providers building out their data, center, data centers to get closer to um, end users and building their edges out to extend right. even closer. Edge is like one of the key hot terms, I think, in this world now. But really, uh, I like to break things down to, to their essentials, right? And really, when someone says edge, they just mean I'm 
creating more instances to push compute or whatever you're doing closer to where the users are sitting essentially. Right. So, right. um, it, so, so if you say like go Google's offerings, uh, 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 connect with lower latency, that really means that Google has created more pops so that they can have a lower latency to wherever, whoever is using them is physically located. Right. 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 And they're, they're constantly, um, moving out, you know, their edge, of course. So that's where you have the edge pops or the, um, the on-ramps that we call it, the, the actual data center where their edge routers are located. Right, right, where you can actually exchange traffic with them uh, right. off of exactly. your provider's network or whatever. So. Right, and not through a third party, not through another uh, another service provider, et cetera, to get you to that location. So we're, we're seeing that. And of course, each new um, cloud data center or cloud region that opens up, there um, uh, cloud on-ramps that open up you know, in the proximity of, of the um, cloud region. Right. Because if, if you open a region, it's pointless unless people can now connect at that region, thereby lowering their latency compared to where they had been connected before. Right. 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 And depending on how your network is set up anyway, you, you still have cases where you have companies accessing the cloud on ramps through Europe, located in Africa, they're still going to Europe and not to uh, South Africa. But, you know, you see this change as more on-ramps are built and more uh, cloud data centers are built out in Africa. But, um, and also, it's, once again, it's a, dis- it's, a, it's a distance game too. It depends where you're located in Africa. Do we go north to Europe? And maybe it's a little bit cheaper to go north, you know, or do we go south? In terms of latency, it's much closer. Then that's where the underlay becomes important and the cost of, of um, connecting to Europe versus to South Africa come in come into play. But another thing- Right, but also avoiding tromboning any traffic too, right? So, right. You know, uh, uh, not just from the cost perspective, but the performance and the security mm-hmm. perspective, right? So I don't want, right. no longer do I want a firewall sitting in, in uh, France when my traffic is traversing across uh, South Africa, for example, right? So- right, right. It's always cost and performance, you know, the balance. So- and something else we're seeing, and I, I think we may have touched on this before, but um, hmm. kind of the unintended bonus of, of a lot of enterprises moving more to the cloud and setting up their own networks and building out uh, POPs at carrier neutral colo facilities is that once they establish themselves in a, uh, one, one of these carrier neutral colo facilities, now they have greater connectivity to a, a wider range of service providers and customers. Hmm. And mm-hmm. um, so they're connecting into these rich ecosystems via the on-ramps. And so now they have uh, much more options instead of through a single provider, which maybe historically they had done. Um, now with their own POP, they have access to, to different ways to connect to the different providers and just a, a longer, a larger right. group of providers to work with. Kind of getting out of the mm-hmm. single single provider model to you know having multiple providers. Yeah, so then it strikes me that if... You know, everybody's in a different stage in, in terms of this, and, and especially if you haven't yet gone the SD-WAN route um, and, and, and you're still very much tied to MPLS. If, if, I'm, if I'm the type of enterprise that is, you know, s- still getting all, everything, my quality of service, my security, everything primarily through MPLS from, say, a single or a couple of, of global reach kind of providers, 
I probably don't really care that much about this conversation or this tool, right? So, right. Like, right. Yeah, right. So this this is inherently geared toward the enterprises who have sort of freed themselves, usually via SD-WAN or maybe just more cloud adoption and local internet breakouts from mm-hmm. that kind of single provider ecosystem into a multi-vendor, multi-underlay type, all that kind of thing, right? Correct, correct. Uh-huh. Got it. Well, it's you know it's always good to know sort of what uh, what markets we're kind of uh, intending to address. <laughs> I think that's well, uh, from all my other conversations a growing segment out there, no doubt. So yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot more sophistication and on um, uh, basically networks and setting up networks and and um, discovering the different options and and even the ways to connect to the cloud in the sense of like you were saying, MPLS versus Ethernet, or connecting via a cloud exchange, peering, or uh, we talked about direct connects, but um, you know you can also cl- connect via um, cloud exchanges, and that's that's mm-hmm. another option. It's usually when um, at lower traffic levels, um, and maybe in some cases that performance isn't as much of a concern. Um, you know, you start off through cloud exchanges and when you go through cloud exchanges too, you have, you have a greater, uh, number of providers that can connect to you in that sense too. And that's something we track here, right? So you can, you can click a button that says, I want, I only want to expose data centers where there's like a, an exchange that I, I could join, for example, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You can go by exchange, um, both cloud exchange or internet exchange as well. And internet exchange, right? Yeah. So it's. I think that's that's probably the smallest number. Of the the enterprises actually doing sort of like peering with their own ASN or whatever. But it's out there for sure. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Excellent. Well, I think uh, this has helped me a lot. Um, any any final sort of wrap up thoughts that um, that you would hope uh, folks would take away here? Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Key takeaways. We've said before. The exciting part for us is that. We had these different, as you were saying, siloed sets of data that maybe even customers had already um, been um, subscribed to these services. And you tend to look at this data in a specific way and use it over and over in a certain way. But what this product provides or this new service is kind of a different way of looking at this data and combining the data from the different um, data sets to work together to mm-hmm. um, kind of answer the questions you may have, but really specific to your individual needs and your individual networks. So on our side, it's very exciting. Right. I like it. You know, you know that makes me think of a, a lot of us at Telegeography, it may not be surprising to find out have backgrounds in geography. So I, I went to graduate school for geography, human and economic geography. And uh, that, that was something we talked about all the time was that the scale that you're looking at changes the answer to the question. So that's what you're getting here is you could go into the data center uh, database that we have and, and look at a particular data center and get all this metadata about it. But when this is thinking more about pulling all the way back to the global map of your network rather than where in the in those databases you're going to zoom in on a particular carrier a particular cloud provider this is this is that that different scale that granularity where you can sort of absorb the bigger picture if i'm reading you correctly. right exactly it gives you the bigger picture much more options to choose from excellent well we love that because we love maps and we mm-hmm. love maps at different scales at telegeography so maps um, are cool. well done 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Patrick, as you know, I like to wrap up with um, something kind of fun here. And what I wanted to talk about was that uh, you have lived in Arizona for a long time, even though you grew up in California, but now you find yourself back in California. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but you remember the the movie North Shore where um, this kid from Arizona wins a, uh, a wave pool contest and, and gets to go to uh, the North Shore of, of uh Oahu, right? And no, yeah, no, it's, it's a great movie. It's a great All right, movie. but um, you're you're the Arizona boy who's uh, mm-hmm. who's in California now. Have have you started surfing again? Yeah, you know that I have. I know, um, I know, I know, yeah. I know the answer. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but wait, let me. Let I'm me. just jealous because I live on a lake and I have to paddleboard, and the, the the you know the most waves I get are when the wind blows real hard. You know? <laughs> right. Well, also okay, but on my end, I may have talked about it a lot, but the um, yes, I I did buy a surfboard, so I'm going to start up again, or I'm in the process, but I only got it a couple weeks ago. And it's right. been 30 odd years at least since I surfed. I was never a great surfer anyway, but it's fun to get out there. Mm-hmm. And But I've discovered that um, that winter surf is different from summer surf. <laughs> Duh. Right. Well, especially, and this is where I can really nerd out. There's, there's something called the uh, uh, El Nino Southern Oscill- Oscillation, which depends on which oceanic gyre is going by the Pacific coast. And this year is an unusual one. So it's probably really changing the waves, right? So, Nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a different yeah. world right now. So yeah. you know, naively, I thought, woo, because I live very close to the beach. So I thought, oh, great. I'm going to wake up before work and run down and, and surf a little. Well, figured out that high tide, there is zero waves. So I'm the only one out right. there paddling around and there are no waves. And then we've had uh, the last couple of weeks where it's been very stormy here or very cold and some storms as well. And Cal, very cold. Okay, it's not East Coast or where you are cold. It's like in the low 40s. But the water, when the water is warmer than the air, that's that's cold. But it still is pretty cold for SoCal. So it's been an icy run to the ocean. So, so yes, I'm starting to get back into it, but it'll take a little while. But it, you know, I have to admit, it's a lot of fun. And in Arizona, you couldn't run down to the beach to to jump on your board for, you know, an hour before work. So I can't complain. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. You're, you're going to very soon learn about muscles that you forgot. you had. I, I went snowboarding for the first time in a long time just uh-huh. the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't I didn't know I had that muscle, let alone that it could hurt this bad. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah. Uh, well, the first time I mean, I just got my surfboard, but I've been surfing a few times since I moved back here. And yeah, your your entire back and and arms, et cetera, just like you can't I couldn't move the next couple of days. Yeah. You know, the first couple of times I got out there, it's like, wow, like new muscles or were those muscles always there? <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for taking time out of your uh, busy research schedule to tell us about stuff. And uh, we'll do this again soon. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks very much for listening. The Wayne Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Crimetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. 
Until next time, have a great day. So we talk a lot on the WAN Manager podcast about the edge like SD-WAN and the core like cloud, but there's also the internet middle mile between those two things. At Telegeography, we've actually been doing a lot of research on what happens between the core backbone network and the local access, and we're excited to share our findings. That's why on March 4th at 10 a.m. Eastern, we're getting together for a Telegeography deep dive online. So this will be a live event with lots of data and discussion. We'll present some of our research findings and talk with experts from places like Epsilon, Ariaka, AM6, and Megaport. It's gonna be a really interesting morning or afternoon, depending on your time zone. And with Telegeography Deep Dives, we want you to get deeper into these topics than the normal 30-minute webinar would allow us to do. We also know there's a lot of bigger, longer, multi-day online events happening out there right now. And neither of those options felt quite right for what we were going for in this topic. So we thought this presentation and panel format, uh, just lasting a, about an hour, is really the sweet spot. We hope you think so too. So you can register for this event through the link in our show notes here, or you can head over to blog.telegeography.com for more information. Now, if you can't make the event, sign up anyway, and we'll make sure you get access to a recording. We also left space on the registration form, so you can ask us your middle mile questions ahead of time, and then we can cover exactly what you are interested in. All said, we can't wait for this session on all things middle mile, and again, hope to see you there on March 4th at 10 a.m. Eastern.